The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew from the 25th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Our Gospel this morning is from Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 through 30, and can be found in your pew Bible on page 1541. Matthew records, Again, it will be like a man going on a journey, who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one, he gave five bags of gold. To another, two bags. And to another, one bag, each according to his ability. And then he went on his journey. And the man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. And after a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags, or in our it's talents, of gold, brought the other five. Master, he said to him, you entrusted me with five talents of gold. See, I have gained five more. And his master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man with two talents of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two talents of gold. See, I have gained two more. And his master replied, Well done, Good and faithful servant, you have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. When the man who had received one talent of gold came, Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid. And I went out and I hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. And his master replied, You wicked and lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed? Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers, so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the talent of gold, so he take the talent of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags. For whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. And whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? 
May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. When we speak of somebody's special abilities or aptitudes, we often say that they have talent. And that particular meaning of the word talent comes from the parable in today's gospel. Um, the NIV calls it bags, and it really is uh, kind of threw me off there. I apologize for that. Um, but the word talent, as it's used in Scripture, began as a unit of weight, not unlike the word pound. And although no one really knows the exact weight of a talent, I've heard 75 pounds and I've heard 100 pounds. So it's, within a, it's 100 pounds within a couple of dozen. We do know that it was somewhere in that range. And it was a lot of money. When people began using precious metals as currency, the weight of these metals became an important measure of their value. So we know that the British had their pound of sterling, which became the pound sterling or simply the British pound. And in the first century Middle East, people measured their precious metals in talents. Since the talent is in the 75 to 100 pound range of weight, a talent of silver was a significant sum of cash. And a talent of gold, 100 pounds of gold, was beyond most people's imaginations. And in the parable of today's gospel, Jesus used the currency of talents to represent the gifts and abilities that God pours out onto his church. It is this representation that gives us the modern day meaning of the word talent. In today's gospel, it continues with Jesus' teaching on the Tuesday of the Holy Week. On that day, he taught in the temple until late afternoon or early evening. And then he continued to teach his disciples as they retired to their campsite on the Mount of Olives. You'll recall that he had just finished telling the parable of the wise and the foolish virgins that we heard in last week's gospel. And at the end of the parable from last week, he said in Matthew 25, 13, Watch, therefore... For you know neither the day nor the hour. And Jesus, he tells this parable, this story of the talents, in order to explain what he meant when he told his disciples to watch, to wait for his return. He didn't want the church to climb up on a hill and just look up out of at the sky and wait. That's not what he 
was talking about. He didn't want you, he doesn't want me to just go out and just watch. The watchfulness of the church is to be active. Action. And Jesus asked his disciples to imagine a fairly wealthy man as he prepared for a long trip. And as this man prepared to leave, he designated various tasks to his staff of servants. And he wanted them to care for his things while he was away. And Jesus specifically described the tasks given to the three of these servants. The man gave five talents to the first of the three, two talents to the second, and just one talent to the last. And then he left. The first two servants faithfully invested the talents and their master's money doubled. The third servant hid the talent in the ground and waited for the master to return. And when the master returned, he called forth his servants to report on their activities while he was gone. The two faithful servants received a great reward, while the unfaithful servant received a severe penalty. Faithful versus unfaithful. Now, we are actually living out this parable today. The wealthy man who, sent on a, who went on a trip represents Jesus Christ. Jesus left when he ascended into heaven, and he has not yet returned. And before Jesus left, he distributed his wealth to his disciples. He gave his teachings contained in the Bible. We have his sacraments of the baptism and the Lord's Supper. We also have the Holy Spirit. For Jesus said this, it's recorded in John 16, verse 7, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Now, in addition to these wonderful riches that he gives the whole church, he also provides people. He provides pastors, teachers, elders, trustees, singers, organists, ushers, cooks, and many, many other talented people to care for the people and the things of his church. Jesus said that this man gave to each of his servants according to his ability. Okay. How does that look? Well, he gave five talents. And the five talents were exactly the right amount for the man who received the five talents. Two talents were exactly the right amount for the man who received the two talents. And one talent, a hundred pounds of gold, were exactly the right amount for the man who received the one talent. And so it is with us. So it is with us. 
Jesus gives each of us the gift that is just right for us. He gives all of us faith. He gives us forgiveness. And he gives us everlasting life. And in addition to that, he gives each of us individual skills to help us care for one another. Now, some of us, some of us can change a light bulb or fix a threshold or take care of ground. Some of us can cook. Some of us have given, been given the gift of hospitality. Some of us are musicians. Some of us know how to give comfort with a hug or a delightful little handmade, homemade card. She's not looking at me. That's a gift. Some of us have special talent for making people feel at home in a strange situation. Have any of you ever felt all alone in a crowded room? Usually the people that have are the ones that will seek those out and come alongside and comfort. Each of us has one or more special talents that the Lord has chosen just for us. He wants us to use them to care for his people, for his church. Now in the parable, two of the servants were faithful and their master's money doubled. And here is one place, there's one place where we sometimes get confused in this parable. We hear that the faithful servants doubled their master's investment. And then we are tempted to believe that we are responsible for the return we produce on God's investment in us. Don't think that. We often forget that there is a great difference between an earthly master and a heavenly master. An earthly master cannot affect the outcome of his servant's faithfulness. The recent plunge in the stock markets and the craziness of our current economy teach us that all too well. If we had to rely on our own wisdom and risk our own resources, we would lose everything. Our Heavenly Father promises the opposite. He has the will and the power to affect the outcome of his investments in our hands. Our return in the spiritual world depends on God. The risk is his, and the gain will be according to his infinite knowledge and his perfect wisdom. A really good illustration to what I just said is found in the feeding of the 5,000. Jesus blesses a few dinner rolls and a couple of sardines, right? And then he gives them to the disciples. And with these few resources, well, they multiplied in the disciples' hands until 5,000 men ate and were satisfied along with the women and the children who were there. Do you suppose that a single disciple 
thought that he was responsible for multiplying that food while it was in his hands? No. And even so, we often forget that God is responsible for the return on his investment in us. It's his fault. It's his good pleasure. This is one reason that we often act like the unfaithful servant. It wasn't that he abused his master's money, the unfaithful servant. He, he, he didn't go out gambling, and he didn't go out and spend it on women and wine and drunkenness and gluttony or any of the other stuff. It wasn't that he, what he did with the money that got him into trouble. It's what he didn't do. He was afraid that if he invested the master's money that he would lose it. And so we are too sometimes afraid. We forget that the risk belongs to God and not to us. In our fear, we become like the third servant. We are satisfied to be pew potatoes. We are satisfied to let somebody else do the prayers or let somebody else do this because I'm no good at it. We are satisfied to show up for an hour or so every week and then go home thinking that we have done our duty. And meanwhile, those God-given skills lie rusty and dusty through disuse. When we remember only the law, when we remember only the law, we imitate the third servant. And that makes us hypocrites. We may think we know Jesus, but our ideas are incomplete. We only see the impossible standard of Jesus' words from the Sermon on the Mount when he says, you therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. That is not a challenge for us. That is a statement that has been done through him. But we read that and we, what else can we do but join the unfaithful servant and say, well, the master I know is a hard man, so I was afraid. He's just, you know, this isn't for me. And in our fear, our gifts grow stale through disuse and our relationship with God remains broken and hell remains our future home if we know nothing but the law. When God blesses us with the gospel, we become like those two faithful servants. We approach our Lord with confidence instead of fear. While we know about the law, we look beyond it to the gospel. We know that we cannot rely on ourselves, but we can rely on the one who went to the cross. The Holy Spirit has planted faith in our hearts, all of our hearts, so that we have a new relationship of love and trust in the Savior. We see that he is not hard. On the contrary, contrary we see he is a well, we see he is the first 
faithful servant. The one who empowers all those who are not faithful. He is the one who set aside his glory and lived on this earth under the authority of the law, and he kept it perfectly. And in spite of his perfection, he remained faithful to his Father's plan, and he endured the full wrath of God against our sins as he hung on the cross. His faithfulness unto death conquered death. His resurrection proclaimed his victory, and in his faithfulness, he created a new path through death, a path that leads to eternal life. So who then are the faithful servants? Well, the first faithful servant is Jesus Christ himself, who was faithful even unto death on the cross. And by his work on the cross, he makes us his faithful servants. And he entrusts us the gifts that he gives to us. And because he was faithful, we no longer imitate that third unfaithful servant. Instead, we are confident as we come forward for his judgment. We know that he loves us and has already provided everything that we need for our salvation. And those of us who trust him will, before, will appear before Jesus on the day of judgment. We will appear before Jesus on the day of judgment where we will hear these words. Listen to me. We will hear, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little, and I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. In the name of Jesus, amen.